Right. Welcome to Knife Making Down Under podcast tonight, um, 25th of June, and we're coming to you live from a little town by Matty. Why Matty? Did I say that? Why Matty? I'm going to say it more. Why Matty? Um, and we're just outside the town at the home of Scott Gregan and his family. Scotty's in the middle here. And um, we've got a few people joining us. We've got John Worthington from Ripping Knives. We've got Andrew Condick from um, Duo Forge, Duo Knives. Duo Knives. Duo Knives. Um, uh, does that mean you're a knife maker now? Well, I have made a few. Yeah. You have made a few, but but Andrew is a um, a very 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 good blacksmith, and we've got Brett Miller from Gamaco Artisan Supplies in uh, New Zealand. So thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us tonight. And um, yeah, let's get started. Kev, how are you going? How's your week? Yeah, good. Good, fellas. How's, welcome, everyone. Good to see you all. Been a while since we've caught up, obviously, for, for the most part, for the Kiwis. Um, well, some of what we've been up to this week is looking at your posts of you catching trout, you bastard, but we'll get onto that one later. Um, outside of that, uh, ran a really good class on the weekend for a couple of returned students using up the end of their Damascus spillets they made here back in December last year. And uh, all going well. They made some beautiful knives. Um, and I've also been working on my own Damascus knives to get some more stock together for the Sydney show. So that's about my week or my fortnight so far. Mark? Oh, not much, man. Pretty much same thing. Trying to prepare for the Sydney knife show. And I got myself an engraver that came in in the mail. So I'll be I'll be scribing and scratching every piece of cutlery in the house now. So I'll be I'll be carving spoons and shit till I get a bit more comfortable. And yeah, trying trying so to prepare for Sydney. Um I don't know if that's our internet. Is he breaking up for you? But I think it's your internet this time round. But yeah, that's as clear as that. crystal. Yeah, take take that, that ditch. You ditch yeah. bitches. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Cheers, Matt. <laughs> Cheers, bro. Yeah. They look, so they look probably like they're still... <laughs> oh, they've they even look... gone. Yeah. Oh, they well, look like back. they're about to drop a medal up. Yeah, we've got a... We're in... Um, we're not we're not so close to town here, so we might have a little bit of sketchy internet. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> it's like we're just we're just talking while you guys were frozen. It's nice that it's your end for a change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. Across the ditch. Um, so basically, we've had a pretty pretty me and uh, Brett have been doing a tiki tour of uh, New Zealand knife making. We've had um, a pretty good time. Brett's organised a pretty good trip, and we've been to. A whole bunch of places, including um, uh, the workshop of one Mr. Matt James, a fantastic knife maker from up at Taupo. Um, we've been up to field days demonstrating knife sharpening and grinders. Uh, we went to a young fellow by the name of William uh, Hudson. Hudson. What is it? Hudson. William Hudson, who lives uh, in a beautiful uh, part of the world at Opotiki, if I can say that right, which I know I can't. Uh, and then we've come down here to the south. Oh, we've dropped past Shea Stackhouse's place, Stackhouse Knives, and now we're down in, um, yeah, Brookdale Knives down here at uh, uh, Waimati with, uh, with Scott and his family. So that's what's happening. And this weekend, what have we got planned, Scott? Oh, 
just a bit of knife making, a bit of talking shit, just the usual. Bit of hunting for Corrin if he's up for it. Might get a wallaby. They've got wallabies here, guys, and they're a pest. Like, <laughs> they want to get two wallabies. No, he wants to go and well, I kind of do, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, to, um, just to put one up on Facebook, you know. Who look here, I shot a wallaby. <laughs> That'd probably go down well at home, I think. Um, and... Um, yeah, it's been it's been pretty grand. So, tell us a bit about yourself, Scott. Um, so, hi, I'm Scott. I'm the knife maker at Brookdale Knives. It's my brand. I've been making knives for about four years. So I started when I was about twelve. I started off making knives as kind of a continuum from um, when I used to spend time with my grandfather in his workshop in Waimeti, where he makes small wooden toys. And I started making things at home, and knives just became a natural evolution of that and the first kind of course I did when I started making knives was um, with Shea Stackhouse. I went up to Wellington and I spent about five days up there learning how to forge knives and just like the real basics of blacksmithing and knife making and I came down here. I didn't do that much um, for the first say year after that uh, course and then I met up with Andrew Condit and he showed me um, the basics of blacksmithing, took me to his workshop in Christchurch. And then uh, uh, the day after New Year's, uh, he took me and I met John and Clyde. And that's kind of been the, the biggest change to my knife making. And John showed me what he did. And I enjoyed his process and really respected um, knives he was making. And from there, I've kind of just evolved and made more and more knives and try and get them better and better. Hopefully one day I'll make a knife that John's happy with and doesn't point out all the flaws on. But, yeah, so that's kind of just me and my journey and how I started. Can you guys see those pictures I'm putting up? Is that coming up on your screens? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's coming up. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I knew, but I didn't know it was him. I've been, I've been talking to him on Instagram and all that, but yeah, it's, it's nice to put a face on the, the like what you see on the social media. Finally, nice to meet you, mate. You too. So, um, yeah, so he's 16, and if you saw some of those pictures, he's doing some really nice yeah. work, and I've been uh, handling some of his knives today and just uh, having a bit, bit of a chat with him and discussing, you know, the, the finer details and finishing, but the work is excellent, of excellent quality. So uh, pretty pretty good. And then Stan Stanley's asking you there, Scott, um, if you only make kitchen chef knives? Yeah, so um, I kind of only made knives that I use so I can test them out. I don't do much hunting, but I do like to cook. So I've only really made kitchen and chef knives up to this point. So he's only made yeah, kitchen and chef knives and you're going to branch into hunters. I saw some in your shop. Is that going to happen or what? Eventually, yeah, when I get time. I mean, I've had quite a bit of demand for the kitchen knives and I enjoy making them, but one day I'll get around to finishing them off. They've been sitting there for two, two and a half years, but one day they'll get heat treated and done, sure. And Scotty, you're hosting this hammering this weekend. Yeah. How many people are coming? Um, so there's going to be seven of us in total, so it's just a small gathering, but um, four, obviously these four are staying here as well, so I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good. Um, tomorrow we're joined by Glenn and my granddad, um, Duncan, so that'll be good. And yeah, Looking forward to it. See what we can crank out in the shed. I just got some new grinders that I'd like to give a whirl. So looking forward to that as well. Excellent. 
Excellent. And so is there any projects on this that we're going to be working on? Has anyone got anything planned as a specific demonstration or anything? Is it free for all? I think we're going to forge an axe. Oh, um, yeah. Good. And I might make Corin do some uh, grinding, see what he thinks of some steels I've got here for him. So that should be interesting. We'll have a go. Uh, what about... Um what about bottle openers? Is anyone going to be forging bottle <laughs> openers? Yeah, we've got some steel for that. Got all the tools for those. So, John, for anyone that's not for anyone that's not uh, watching the broadcast, I'm actually holding up a, a bottle opener that was forged by Andrew, and it sits up in my workshop on my bar fridge and gets a reasonable amount of work while I'm up there. <laughs> No, we're, not, we're not judging. Man. We're not judging. We're not judging. No, John, tell us a bit about yourself um, and and how you started knives and how you met Scott and your involvement. Uh, well, I've been at the knife making for twenty eight years now. Um, I just started in a in a little carport um, before the internet, and the library never had a book on it, so I sort of scrounged around friends and family and found the Knives 61 or something black and white annual with uh, various pictures in it and went from there. So I've uh, just gradually built up my skills. Um, I've been going to uh, Australia for um, the Sydney show and the symposiums for the teaching and stuff for the last four or five years which has been excellent, really helps, um, especially meeting other makers over there. Uh, so, yeah, just joining part of the community because we don't have a very strong knife-making um, community sort of core over here in New Zealand at the moment, though I do have plans to work on that. Uh, I met Scott three, four years ago. Um, he was just a young fella, knee-high to a grasshopper, wet behind the ears, uh, never listened to anything you told him, just tore off to whatever it was he thought he knew. But we've gradually beaten him to shape with use of a four pound hammer and a few other things, and he's making a decent knife now. So, yeah, we'll progress him to hunters and things in the next year or two and see how he goes from there. I remember all of those late night messages I was getting from you saying how you had this young fellow around, he was driving you crazy. You kept pulling your yeah. hair out. Yeah, he still does that. He's got no hair to pull out now. Yeah, yeah, look what happened. <laughs> I had a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and Andrew's been showing him some blacksmithing stuff, so he's got a forge. He just needs to spend a little bit of time at it when nobody's watching. It does make sense. Ah, difference. yes. So Andrew, so he's, oh, go, go. Oh, no, I was just going to ask um, if it was all mostly stock removal that you're doing for Scott. Scott, for me, yeah, at the yeah. moment it's mostly stock removal, yeah, almost exclusively stock removal, yeah. Cool. He's generally, generally working with stainless steels or? Yeah, so stock removal, full tang, stainless steel is kind of what, what I do. I've got two models of knives that I make at the moment. Just a seven and a nine inch shift knife. I can, this is a nine inch shift knife here. Um, so it's a 12C27 blade. It's uh, 
stabilized timber handle and yeah kind of that model of knife i have the nine inch model and the seven inch model and that's kind of exclusively what i'm doing at the moment just trying to get them better and better each knife good plan so uh andrew do you want to tell us a bit about your knife making and well i started off with a, as a farrier so i've done a lot of forging doing that and then stuff on my back and then started to do some hobby blacksmithing and arts artwork i have actually made some high heel shoes out of steel and lots of weird things and been doing knife making with other people on and off for quite a few years <coughs> i've made quite a few completed knives but i got sick of making them and doing all the grinding and stuff and tennis elbow so concentrated more on the the forging uh, side of it. I've been doing stuff with John. Is he doing stuff together with zero knives? So I do with Damascus. Or so I'll pull that up here. Forging side of stuff. <coughs> and play around. Yeah, forging tongs and knives. So there was a comment. There was a comment in the um, in the uh, public comment section about uh, you making tongs. Do you want to? Fill us in on that. I believe that was your house, Kev. Yeah, we had uh, a little event which we kindly referred to as the Opposium. And we had John and Andrew. Uh, who else? We have Riley, Jamie, and a few others around here and there. Oh, my mate, the first one when we saw Andrew forge a pair of tongs, my mate Butch was here in town. And uh, yeah, Andrew got us to cut the top off a railroad spike, heated it up, grabbed hold of the four and a half pound hammer that I never use. And uh, Butch and I basically had the same dumbfounded expression as our jaw hit the ground when Andrew started swinging that hammer and made half a side of a pair of tongs in absolutely bugger all time. And it was just unbelievable to watch. So what was the starting stock? Uh, a railroad spike. And we cut the cut the top of it off, so it was only it was not much stock there. And made a made a pair of tongs out of just a railway spike, railway spike tongs. I've seen people try and make knives out of railway spikes, but not tongs. So, and that's no, pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty impressive because uh, there's a lot of drawing out to do there. So, how many heats was that? Oh, I don't know. It was like three or four heats per side. Nice. Maybe, maybe three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a there's a question here for you, Andrew. That says, "What did you make with the Damascus you forged with Kyle Royer? Tell us about that." <laughs> well, you know, uh, I've ended up making t uh, two knives. John's got one and I've got the other one and it still hasn't got a handle on it. The one Suzuki that John made is here since done here. So I have actually been ground and hardened, tempered, all ready to go. It just needs a handle on it. Nice. And last time I went to John's, I couldn't find my timber that I managed you I found. So did you do the masterclass with Kyle? Yes, I did. So tell us about that. Oh, that was awesome. That was very descriptive. Let's go a bit deeper. For some reason, they said he's never done a course before. He was a really good teacher. Yeah, I learned yeah. a hell of a lot. Different processes from other people, and that, you know, really good. 
going through yeah, just this, the, all the different steps that you go through. Now, I'd, I'd had an attempt at it before and failed it, especially doing the tiling. But you cleared all that up, and that made a huge difference. So the course was in Mosaic Damascus, yes, right? It was, yeah, it was really good. Excellent. Yeah. <coughs> it was well worth doing it. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Brilliant. And the last person here tonight is Brett, Brett yeah. Miller. <laughs> I started with Gamaco about three and a half years ago, and I wish I'd started probably 20 years ago. But um, my induction was a very, very, very uh, insightful one. I jumped on a plane and went to Sydney and uh, spent two days in the warehouse and then jumped on a plane and went to Adelaide uh, Knife Show where I met a lot of the guys, um, learned how to sharpen knives on the razor wheels and started to learn about how knives are made. Uh, later on, I did a course with Keith Flutter, and uh, that was a weekend course. It was brilliant. I've got my little hunter that I show around the shows and that, and, um, and uh, I've got a sister that hasn't been finished because it's really good to show sort of like the process. And I've uh, made a uh, chopper for the for our Easter meet. So we run an Easter meet every um, Easter, except for last year, of course. And, um, yeah, we had a chopping competition last time, which... Uh, you guys, pretty much everyone entered a knife, which is good. And um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to just learning more. And this weekend, I want to sort of get something for the kitchen, maybe. Make a kitchen knife or start a yeah. kitchen knife. Yeah. Start a kitchen knife. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll sort something out. You'll be able to do that. I got here um, just uh, on the subject, I didn't notice this is uh, one of the props, but it's this is a rose that Andrew's forged. Can you get? You can probably see that for the guys that um, <coughs> it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So there we go. So what else is news out there, Kev and Mert? What have you been well, up to, Mert? Well, Colin, do you want to talk about our casting project over the last weekend? Oh, yes. Oh, why don't you talk? You were, okay, so this is the, this is the Keith Flutter Invitational Hammering. Is this that one? Yes, this is Orbi Frenzy. It was a what? Orbi, Orbit, or whatever that bullshit that you brought. Has anybody put any pictures anywhere of what we did? No. Man, okay, so we basically, we basically. I, I, think, I, think, I think, Corin, take that as like, we were so tired of this Orbi shit. Nobody will put pictures of that magnificent art piece. What we did was great, but we fucking hated the whole process of sitting there and dealing with the molten aluminum in a cold. So it was a pretty, it was pretty awesome actually. What we did, we um, uh, it all started with um, Ian. Ian from Two Feathers Forge came up and we made a hammer at my place that night. Mert turned up. And we basically took about, I don't know, maybe 50 kilos of aluminium. It would have been a fair bit. Yes. We melted it down and um, we just started pouring it into anything we could pour it into that would give us a result. Um, I haven't put any pictures up, but did you see the finish? We tipped it down to termite pounds. That was fair epic. Have Let's you seen the video? It's a pretty good video with us all yelling at each other as we <laughs> discuss how it should be done. No, um, 
Doji is. I don't think in, you, there's no way away from this. No, there's molten aluminum. We're like, yeah. Corner's like, go, go, go. I'm like, what do you mean go? Like, up or down? Yeah, you burnt yourself. And I Two weeks later. Corin, do you want gloves? Nah, she'll be right, mate. And there's like molten right. aluminum, like glowing and dripping. No, it was good. That's um, yeah. if you're watching, that's one of the things we cast, which you can't really see on my phone. <laughs> the guys can see it here. Um, did you ever see the finished termite mound? Did that get did that get cleaned up? I don't think so. Well, if he did, he hasn't posted anything. No, so we tipped it the whole bunch down a termite mound. We tipped heaps of it into orbies. So what um, Bert's talking about is these little water beads. So we just tipped the molten aluminium into the water beads and it came up with these really wacky, crazy sculptures. Have you got one? Did you get one? Yeah, I got one. It's in the shed. Yeah, they look awesome. Um, yeah. And we basically made a ghetto foundry, yeah, uh, using... Yeah, probably 20, 25 litres of aluminium at a time in a pool. And we did it a couple of times. It, it's, it's, it was fair, Every I don't think any of the videos will make it to Instagram and that because we'll just get caned on our OH&S. Um, <laughs> I, got, I got a video that's 12 minutes. Uh, I think your son, took, yeah, your son took the video 12 minutes. Well, that's my boy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we had a pretty good time though, eh? And what happened after that? You guys were going to... Yeah. Um, oh, look, the doing doing the cast doing the thing it was end because i think we finished up quite late like close to 10 11 and yeah. next next day we tried uh, next day ian did some uh, random pattern damascus while keith was watching it and teaching yeah. and i forged a sword and we did we did we attempted woods next day but the issue was uh mike peterson supposed to be there he didn't he wasn't feeling well, and on my way, I asked Keith, I said, Keith, is there anything you want me to bring for the woods? Like, no, 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 Mike is coming, everything is under control. So when I got there, Keith said, oh, Mike is not here. I was like, okay, that's not good. And I started asking him a question. Okay, for the woods, do you have this? No. Do you have this? Nah. What's the size of this? I don't know. Do you have this? And so <laughs> now, the same it was typical Keith Flutter. No, no, no. He, he, he was he was relying on that uh, Mike Peterson was going to bring stuff. So we attempted with yeah. what he had, but it was uh, it didn't look good from the get go, and we didn't have a good result. Uh, that was it was pretty. I, I had to actually um, I couldn't be there for uh, the other days of it. I was only there for the Friday night, um, so I don't really. Yeah, I, I wasn't available, but I had to come over here, but. Um, still looked like it was a lot of fun anyway. And Ian did get to make a pretty decent hammer. So that's on his Instagram. If anyone's interested, you go to Two Feathers Forward, you can see the hammer made with me, which was pretty good. I was pretty happy with it. It's probably not as good as anything Andrew does, but I'm a hack, so, so it is what it is. Um, yeah, so there we go. So this weekend's going to be this weekend's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think... We'll see some forging, some grinding. We might even have an impromptu cutting competition for Corin to enter. Oh, yeah, with a barrel knife. Oh, really? True. Oh, I'm going to be put on the spot this weekend, it looks like. Um, they've got plans. It's a real, real honour to be able to come over here and 
Uh, Scotty's family have gone totally out of the way for us, um, preparing food and, and uh, looking after us so uh, so far already, and it's only the first four hours or something, so pretty good. Um, Scott's workshop is pretty magnificent. Have you got pictures of your workshop up on Instagram or you had it up on Facebook, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I put a couple of posts on Facebook recently of like my grinding area and I did a video workshop tour. So you can get on there and have a look at his at his setup. It's you know for a guy that's uh, that's sixteen. How many knives do you reckon you've made? Ooh, um, I've probably made one hundred and twenty knives. Say out of that, I think fifty to seventy will be Brookdale knives, like under the under the logo I have now. And just a quick um, shout out to Andrew Smith. He actually made my logo when I was just starting out. I posted up, I said, um, can anyone help me with some logo ideas? And I got an inbox with like this amazing design logo. He gave me two options. And um, yeah, on the on the knives, that's Brookdale Knives and Z. I I said, I, I, my workshop's under the Hunter Hills and he incorporated the hills into the design. So just like a huge thank you to him for going out of his way to do that. And I still use that logo to this day. So yeah, thank you. Andrew, uh, Andrew's design. Yeah, yeah, go, Kev. I was going to say he's a pretty modest guy too. Um, hence his comment. I love the logo on the blade earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nice. And Andrew's done a lot of work for the community, obviously over the years. In fact, you say he, he inboxed you and said, "Hey, I've got this and I've done this for you." Um, it was Andrew Smith back in 2013-14 that inboxed me when we were desperately trying to get the Sydney Knife Show happening and said, hey, I'll, I'll put my hand up to give you a hand. And, and here he is now um, in charge as well and, and running and doing all the design and promotion work for the Sydney Knife Show, um, the Brisbane Knife Show, the Perth Knife Show, the Symposium. And uh, hopefully if we can get COVID to get off our back, it'll be the Adelaide Show as well. So... Yes. Can you share the link? A worthy Can you share the video, Corin? Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll put it up on my Instagram, all right? So you'll find it on my the video of the casting, Mert. No, no, I'm talking about the promotion video for the Sydney Knife Show that the Knife oh, Association just launched. Oh, I didn't even know, mate. Where is it? Is it on YouTube or? It's on Instagram. It's on the Sydney Knife Show page. Uh, I, I figured while you're there, you might be able to pull it off. Maybe you can even like play it like as if it's the Timmy song. I can't do that without preloading it, unfortunately. So that's not okay. But Sydney Knife Show, I can probably share the screen. So bear with me. Here's the video. I'll just get the screen share happening. Tell me when you can see it. Oh, you start you start sharing the girl that works, not that one, man. That's wrong video. What about that? The twerking, the twerking. They were the old days. That's the, we don't do that. That's the stuff life. that. <laughs> that's the stuff that happens at Sydney show that stays at Sydney show. <laughs> Can you guys see the screen now? No. Nope. All right. Well, that didn't work. Um. Share doesn't work. Enter screen. There we go. Boom. Let's try that. Just bear with me. Um, I'll just get it to be bigger. 
No, it'll be what it'll be. Bear with me. All right, you ready? Let's go. Can you see that? Oh, that was me. Oh, I'm There we go, 7th and 8th of August at Rose Hill Gardens. Um, guys, what are the chances that it's going to run? What do we think? We're going to put money on this? <clears throat> no. <laughs> no, I'm not going to put money on it, I should say. Not like, no, it won't go. Um, I'm, I'm still hopeful it will happen. Mm. We'll, wait, we'll just have to wait and see. Like, honestly, I'm just hopeful it can get home. <laughs> I've got to try and get out of here and, and get home, so... We'll see how we go with that. Uh, Stephen Eads reckon 70-30 in the comments. And, you know, that's probably hopeful, wishful thinking. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, it'll be unfortunate. But I think we can probably postpone it if needs be, Kev. You're the president. You're all over it, yeah? Yeah. No, we, we, we're just quietly optimistic. But the next couple of weeks, probably next three weeks will be something that will determine it i guess yes so um yeah that's that's uh that's where we're at that's where we're at so scotty tell yeah. us about what what steels you use scott um so my skills kind of derived from what john uses because john he treats all my knives but i use um 12c27 stainless steel and 14c28 stainless steel basically exclusively. I do have some um, Damascus coming in. I won the Damascus giveaway, which I was pretty chuffed about. I haven't won anything like that before. And also I've got some Damascus coming from Matt James that I'm going to be using. So yeah, but mainly just 12C27 and 14C28. And so John does your head treating? Yeah. So can't get all the equipment in the world and he does such a good job and he doesn't charge enough so he, he does all my heat treating at the moment he just doubled the prices though so <laughs> yeah way to talk yourself into a more expensive yeah, price mate well. nice you'll learn <laughs> charges too much actually <laughs> now he's going to charge double anyway <laughs> so um yeah, John, tell us about your your what you use. What do you what are your favourite steels? Um, I use N six ninety mainly, um, a bit of fourteen C twenty eight, which I prefer over twelve C twenty seven. I think it provides a slightly tougher blade, um, but N six ninety I think is a step above again. Um, Corin might find it out tomorrow. I bought a piece for him to grind, so we'll we'll see what he thinks of it. Um, but yeah, if I can, if I truly had my way, I'd be using Venator's four. But it's just so hard to get here, so it's just not applicable. But it's a fantastic pad of metallurgical steel, just amazing. Going to do some research into that. I'm not uh, not familiar with it, but um, John's been telling me some stories. It's got me a little bit excited. So we'll uh, we brought some with you. Piece here. Oh, nice. So we'll have a we'll have a bit of a play and have a look at that. Do some cutting. Yeah. And um, yeah, what else? So you've got your your grinders. You run a few 
special grinders? We normally talk for two by forty-eight or two by seventy-two when it comes to grinders. What do you run? I run hundred and eight-inch belt grinders, so they're all home-built, sort of twenty-eight years ago, really. Um, we're still going strong, still on the original motors, just one horse, um, single speed, eight-inch drive wheels. Uh, they feel honk along, um, and they were good quality motors at the start. They're wig um, motors, and uh, 28 years later, with a lot of full-time use, they're um, still going strong. Excellent. And but you do all your own heat treat? You do cryo as well? I do all my own heat treat, cryo. I only do shallow cryo. I gave up using liquid nitrogen just for the, the travel factor. It's a three-hour one-way trip for me to get liquid nitrogen. So I bought a... Um, shallow cryo freezer that gets to minus 85 um, to do all my cryo for blades that require it. Um, and I've got a hardness tester and, and a new um, a new pro kiln, which is absolutely fantastic. That good? Yeah. Not so much all the um, whiz-bang technology in the program controller, but the speed. You know, my last oh, yeah. kiln, they, Seven hours to get to 1100 degrees. This new wow. one gets here in 15 minutes. That's just a game changer for what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, what else? What are your questions, Kev? Mert? What do you want to know? Uh, the market's running over there at the moment, John, or is that still all closed up? Uh, no, it's still running, but there's no customers, you know. But tell us about the markets. I've, I've met very few people. That can succeed selling knives at craft markets, right? So, so well, tell us how you do it. I I do a craft market every Saturday in Queenstown. Um, the big thing with Queenstown is when the tourist season is working and the tourists are coming, getting hundred thousand people through every week. So I basically worked out the figures, chopping it in half all the way down. I think I get possibly 3,000 people past my table a day at the markets. So I do one day at the markets, cost me $20. That's take my own setup. I'm there from 7 to 4.30 in the, in, during the day, one day on a Saturday. Um, and that's where I get my orders from and all my direct sales to the customers. So average around five knives a week um, when everything was running pre-COVID. Um, as sales or orders. So, and so how's that changed since COVID? Uh, well, no tourists, so no customers. Because the we've only got 5 million people in the whole of New Zealand, our domestic market is very small, so we can only really have... There's only so many knives you can sell to your local audience. So it's the, it, the big thing with Queenstown was the people passed and in and out the door past my table. And they were changing every week. So, you know, and I'd constantly get people that would come back, you know, from six or seven years ago. Oh, great, you're still here, beauty. I want to buy this knife and this knife and this knife. Yeah. Yeah. So, repeat custom for that sort of thing was really good. Um, but it does become harder with the COVID thing. I'm just basically running on orders at the moment through the internet. Um, yep. It's not a big thing for me because I'm not really internet savvy. Don't know how to work the system. I'm trying, but I'm pretty bloody useless. 
Um, and yeah, other than that, it's just working on new stuff. I've got a whole range of um, semi steel home at the moment that me and Andrew are working on. So there'll be a few semi semi blades coming out. Um, wrought iron what steels. Oh yeah, okay, good. Man. Pretty much wrought iron and um, and ten eighty at the moment. Um, there is a bit of Damascus in ten eighty. And what else? Something else? Maybe maybe just a bit of Damascus as well. So we'll get a range of those out in the next few months. <coughs> But they'll be online only. So, yeah. And Scotty, what are you? What's your marketing channels? Um, so all of my sales essentially are online. I have, um, as well as that, so that's Facebook. Facebook I found to be the best for me versus Instagram. And um, I find posting in groups a lot. So there's a group called Choice in New Zealand, which is like supporting local businesses. And I put a post up there and got um, quite a lot of attention from that quite a lot of followers and things so yeah just from posting in groups and just online sales through social media through my website and a couple other ways and i also have i have one retail partner in christchurch so shopology if you're ever in christchurch you can go to riverside market you can have a look there's a brookdale knife it says brookdale knives on one side and shopology on the other and then also i'm working on another retail partner in wellington at the moment so I have those, and yeah, mostly just online. Other than that, I forget. One of my sort of marketing streams is when I'm at the markets. I always have my business card there, and I can judge what a day's going like by how many business cards disappear off the table because I count them at the start, count them at the end. Anywhere between sixty to a hundred cards a day, and people might not think that you make sales from business cards, but I had one guy track me down from my original business card 28 years ago to buy a knife. It took him a while because I've been the house about five times, but he still got me. So, yeah. So, if anybody, on to them. anybody listening, if you guys um, successfully sell your knives at craft markets in Australia, I'd love to hear about that because it's something that we don't really see in markets in Australia. It's normally the low end, imported, cheap. Um, so, it's really good that. You yeah. see that you're getting out there. And yeah, this is a full craft market, so it has to be handmade and it has to be sold by the maker. So you can't have someone else sell your work. So that precludes a lot of things. And it, we've got a reputation. The market's been running 28 years now, 29 years. So, yeah, it's got quite a reputation. That's pretty awesome, actually. It's pretty awesome because we don't... And it, it, it markets in Australia, I think they'd be saying, oh, you've got to put the knives under glass and... All that yeah. sort of stuff. I think you've probably been doing it long enough that. Well, it might happen here yet, but it hasn't happened yet. I've only had one idiot. But, he's but, but I, I think I think we got more dickheads here. <laughs> I think that's the reason we got more dickheads here. Yeah. Because I I find you used to be a bit more on the polite side, and whenever I go to shows, there's always one dickhead like, "Oh, is that shop? Yeah, fuck you, me, let me," and they'll just they'll just end up the disaster here. Yeah, I've got a few horror stories of people cutting themselves. True. Yeah, one guy took his fingerprint right off his thumb. Looked like a groper scale on the end of the night. <laughs> guess it didn't feel shallow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he wouldn't admit he'd cut himself and walked off with his hand in his pocket. The blood was making a big patch on the side of his jeans, and he would not admit it to himself. Nice. Uh, nice. 
That was that was way back in the early days, probably twenty years ago. So um, yeah, and uh, obviously the the online channels are all working well. There's a question here about uh, what the laws are here about uh, what you're allowed to carry in New Zealand. Are you allowed to? What are the rules around carrying knives? In you're New still allowed to carry a pocket knife under three inches. Um, you're not allowed to carry it. Um, say you're going to the theatre or out for dinner. There's no point in you carrying it. But if you're walking around um, around town, you're certainly allowed to carry one in your pocket. Um, you get away in a rural areas with a knife and a pouch on your belt. But as long as it's sort of part of your working clothes and things. So if you're a farmer or hunter or something. Yes. John, John if, I good... bring, if, if I bring a sword, but I attach my keys to the sword like a keychain. Yes, perfectly acceptable. As okay, long as you come like, to see at my house. I'll say like, this is my keychain. Like, Don't mind me yep. carrying my backpack. This is a keychain. Will I get away? Yes. Good luck getting on the plane with it because Andrew got stopped for his his um, two-inch anvil keychain. I'm obviously uh, going to check it. I'm obviously going to check it in with the suitcase. I, um, well, what, I got the normal the night, so, um, Essentially, I was in Wellington and I brought a couple knives up to show show people. And uh, on the way back, I didn't even think about it, but I put it in my carry-on luggage, and um, <laughs> <laughs> they scanned my they scanned my bag. You know, two big seven-inch chef knives. They scanned my bag through the machine and they said, oh, do you have anything to declare? I'm like, no. <laughs> and they're like, do you have anything, like any knives in here? I'm like, no, I don't think so. I just completely forgot about them. And then they're like, oh, what's this? And there's, you know, obviously two big seven-inch chef knives in a carry-on bag. <laughs> but, and that's why you're no fly, that's why you're no fly list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they were actually pretty chill about it. My mum was still at the airport, so she had to run and Put it and grab it and put it in the bags under the plane so I didn't lose the knives. Fortunately, but yeah, it was, it was a bit of a bit of a stupid moment, and I felt like a bit of an idiot when the customs officer was asking me why I had these big knives in my carry-on luggage. It is, uh, yeah, it's a it's a bit um, a bit crazy. And you got uh, you got caught with knives at school too. Yeah, so um, I have, usually have a few knives in my cupboard just in case I need to go show people in Christchurch or ship them out. And the cleaning ladies decided one day that curiosity got the better of them and to see, because they're always in pouches like this, and to see what was in the pouches. So they obviously went through my cupboard and unzipped my pouches and they saw, oh, he's got 10 knives there. And they went and told my housemaster, who already knew because I brought them in to show them. And um, yeah, so no more knives at school. And if they are, they have to be locked and well away from the cleaning ladies. So. <laughs> Because they could have someone's eye out, right? So, um, uh, David Heron says, Scott, 16. Wow, confident, well-spoken. Let me tell you something, David. He's not only a confident, well-spoken guy, he's a fantastic maker, and he's going to go places if he keeps going down the way he is. And I think the, uh, the, main, uh, the main thing there is the uh, attitude to taking feedback and asking for feedback. It's just phenomenal to watch somebody... Um, uh, on the table regularly and routinely in front of people who are going to give honest and frank feedback, which is is what he does. And and John's there, and I've got to say, John's a little bit brutal, I think. But <laughs> but but 
but it's paying dividends anyway. He's coming coming along with he's making beautiful stuff. So we're going to see uh, we're going to see plenty more more of Scotty if he keeps going down this path. So yeah, absolutely. Next question, uh, John. Is your, your workshop is your workshop complete now? Up and running? Oh, it's always been complete, up and running, but it, no, it hasn't had its new renovation yet. Yeah, it's, okay. Yeah, it still hasn't got a ceiling, or and it hasn't got double glazed windows and the fire and things in here. And now, why is a fire important, John? Well, I don't think there'll be too many people in Australia with a fire in their workshop, mate. Well, because it's been minus two in my workshop all week. <laughs> Hey, I live in a little place called Clyde down in central Otago, so it's sort of sideways from Queenstown. But in the winter, we get an inversion layer, so the sun doesn't come out. And I haven't seen the sun until today for three weeks, so it gets pretty cold. So we, we're driving We're driving here. We're, I'm in the car with John, and the sun pokes in under the clouds just before it goes, just before it goes behind the mountains. Shines down on John, and John almost stopped the car and stuck out his home. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's nice to see it occasionally. Uh, but we only have wheel of the same as Canberra. Yeah, look, it's been... Last few days here, we had 30, 35 mil of rain yesterday, and it, I think it just got to 10 degrees, and today was the same. It was just cold, wet, and windy. You know, and I get asked the same thing about why I have reverse cycle aircon. Yeah, because it gets to forty. Office. It gets to forty degrees in summer, and you know, five degrees in the workshop in winter. I, I think it's just to keep up with me, but that's okay. Stan Stanley <laughs> has that. <laughs> Stan Stanley says everyone's favourite handle material? Question mark. What do we like, guys? Good G. Good G. Scotty. Jarrah. Oh, uh, I like green stain Mallee. I've never made a knife out of it, but it's bloody nice. And that stuff that uh, Cindy has been selling, I've got it. I want to try that. So I'm just gonna. I don't. I don't really care though. I'm, anything that's really, really good. Bull oak is my all-time favourite though. Bull oak, bull. Really nice. I thought that. more close second. That's nice stuff. I thought for a moment that we were going to see a different answer from John. Given his recent um, no. run with some, here we go. The, Damas the Damascus G10. <laughs> My recent handle. I don't know which one we're going. Yeah, I've got to say it's out there. Yeah. <laughs> the green liners and the uh, Kiwi flag colour G10. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna give that a run tomorrow, apparently. But yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, probably on a wallaby. We'll see how we go. Yeah, and I it. coloured it like that specifically so I won't sell it. Because if it had a nice handle, nice timber handle on it, I'd probably sell it. You said you said I wouldn't sell it. It's cool. You'll <laughs> still get cool. offers. You yeah. probably will. Yeah. 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 But it's this is the only piece of banana spore that I've had. Julianne says, "Ooh, pretty." Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> so. Um, David Heron's got a question here. It says, I assume Scott is still at school. How does he manage his time between school knives and other, between school, there should be a comment, knives and other stuff a 16-year-old guy is interested in? Oh, um, 
Well, it's even harder because I'm at boarding school, so I can't even go and work on them after after school or anything. But um, it's a boys only school, so that's half of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, I kind of I go home a couple weekends every every term, and then during the holidays, it's I kind of treat it try and treat it like a nine to five job, and just get as much time in as I as I possibly can. But yeah, during during school, I mean, there's not really much I can do. I try and do a little bit of marketing and social media posts here and there, and responding to emails. But yeah, it's it, it does become a bit of a challenge trying to find time. But during the holidays, I find it's a pretty good school holidays job. You know, the boss is always nice and there's flexible hours. Yeah, does that answer the question? I'd say so. Next question, Kev. Um, do you play rugby? Um, no, this year I used to, but not anymore. Okay, fair enough. Something had to give. Yeah. So yeah, we've well, got a question from We Are Knives that we can discuss. I finally caught one of these live. Can I ask? I need to wear reading glasses now, and I can't figure out how to wear a mask and glasses while grinding. Well, I wear glasses to, to grind. And I have to, um, you can buy, uh, what are they called? The full lens magnifying reading glass type things. So I wear 2.5s to grind and they're excellent. They're a proper safety magnifying glass. So I think the question was regarding the mask and the fogging up of glasses. And I wear a half mask. Yeah. Because if you try and wear a full mask over glasses, it will pull the ear around the side where the glass frames go. Right. So you're talking about a mask that runs right across your face, like yep. a 3M style. Yeah, yeah that's what I, I wear one of yeah. those as well. I've yeah. got the full face respirator and the glasses fit underneath it without any um, yeah. Yeah. trouble at all. Just try on one to get it to fit. Always wear your glasses when you're, when you're trying on your masks. Otherwise, you won't get one to fit properly. And your mask will steam the glasses up if it doesn't fit properly. Timmy's yeah, got, got really one of the powered, powered respirator filter things, so yeah. positive flow air. There the go. Glasses don't fog. Timmy's got a good one of them. There's a few there. There's one there from Catherine Wilton who says, how great is Gamaco New Zealand star? Friend of yours? <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> I was going to say, we're sitting down here making life and having fun, and the girls up there are doing our stock take for us. So, so Catherine, yeah. and Catherine's one of our lunch today. Yeah, Catherine's one of our staff here that look after all the knife makers. Catherine and Kerry, um, anybody that's bought stuff off Gamaco will, will no doubt know Catherine and Kerry and. They're just always trying to make sure we do the best we can over here for the, the market that there is here. Um, yeah, there we go. And we're not obsessed. Thanks for that, fellas. So, yeah, full face. And I think the powered's the way to go. And I think my next one will be a powered one. I've got a I think it's powered half face issue. Yeah, good. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, where does Scott see his future? Knives or something else? Um, I don't think I'd like to ruin knives by having it as a job. I mean, it's kind of a part-time job at the moment, but I feel like if I had to do it every day, I'd just get sick of doing the thing that I enjoy and I'd rather keep it as a hobby. So I think I'm going to do some form of engineering, possibly architectural engineering for a job in the future. So I go to university, might even move to Australia and move my workshop over there to go to university. 
but yeah, I, I think knives will always kind of be something something on the side and then have uh, have a like a different career. What do you reckon, Mert and Kev? You guys are both full time. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't Yay, go full time. Full time making knives. I didn't go full time until quite late. <laughs> I, so, I had I had a career in hospitality, and then in the government, and then now knives. So it's that reverse situation: do the full time yakka, pay off all the debts, or yeah. most of your debts, and then get into knife making later, where it can still be fun, and you can choose days where you just go, "No, nah, I don't want to be in the workshop," and it's not imperative that you're in there. So Kev's not even fifty, and he's semi-retired, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's a reality, yeah. Yeah, well, that's yeah. it. I mean, you've pulled off your debts, you've you've done the hard yards, and you're yeah. um you're now working to your own hours, doing your own thing, and it's quality of life. And that's it. Yeah. And John, you've been full time for how long? Uh, probably fifteen years out of the last twenty eight. Still fun. Yeah. Still you, enjoying it. You've got to work when you need to work. And try and set regular hours so you know at five o'clock i lock the workshop and, and go to the house and do other things i believe you have a union and union set yeah. great <laughs> times union rules cup of tea at 10 o'clock <laughs> fairly strict here on that i believe i've been hearing stories about the knife makers union over here run by uh, mr john yeah, that's what they should call the association you start. The they, knife makers union. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. No, that is. It's good. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. New Zealand knife makers union coming to a uh, knife making group near you in New Zealand. Yeah. And Mert, you're full time. You went from chefing full time now to knife making full time. What's yeah. What's the major difference that you see out of the two? Well, first of all, knives don't call out sick. Knives don't talk back to you. And, you know, like, you, you hit the knives with the hammers, but you don't hit the apprentices, and knives tend to be harder than the apprentices. So there's some words of advice. I, I'm pretty much, if I was a full-time knife maker, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a maker, but but definitely, um, I think my OCD and that just wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cope with going full time. But, you know, I'll just stick to my one life a year. Yeah. Look, yeah. There's, there's a few ways about it, right? You can either be a, more of a sort of boutique maker being full time where, you know, pick and choose what you want to make or make what you want to make and sell it. Or you can go into that semi-production style of making or as there are makers in Australia, you can go into full production making. Um, what you need to do is work out um, what lifestyle you want to have, how big you want your business to go, and how much risk you're prepared to take to get where you want to get. Exactly, Kevin. Look, what you said is very important. Deciding to make knives as a living is no different than opening a business. Like if I, as a chef, if I was to open a restaurant, I will have to sit down and say, okay, what do I want to serve? How many people are we going to be able to cater? And yeah. you need, you need to come up just like a setting up a business. You need to answer those questions. And my situation is kind of unique because as you guys were saying, most of the full-time knife makers are either 
semi-retired like they paid their bills and they don't have any dependents but in my case i got two young kids and i'm trying to be full-time that kind of situation kind of forces you to make tools i have to keep making tools to be able to sell a part of me wants to make something more artistic but making something artistic is going to take time in terms of the getting the inspiration coming up with the design and always experimenting something new because when you're trying to make something artistic you're not something you're not making something over and over you're coming with the one of designs unique designs but whenever you do that you you realize like for example for you Scott when you say i want to come up with a new model all of a sudden you realize it's been a week you haven't finished the knife versus if you take your templates put on your steel trace it and send the john and hope that he will move his bum to heat treat and all that and <laughs> <laughs> yeah so making artistic stuff is fun but it's not i don't think it's feasible but when i was talking to a full-time maker of mine he was saying whatever you do you have to spend the day or half day for yourself work for yeah, half yeah. day work four days one day make something for yourself but i'm not talking about like fixing the shit that's broken in your shop like the stuff the 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 tracking is on your grinders off you meant to fix it no i'm not talking about that i'm talking about work something new grind work a profile or make an axe make a sword make a dagger make something that's going to push you out of your comfort zone whenever i realized i was doing something one-off that's where i learned the most otherwise you're making the same thing same knife same handle same grind which is safe but you gotta make something one once a week half a day full day so you feel excited about doing things otherwise trust me there's no boss but this shit gets boring real fast just like any job yeah um david david heron's got a comment there about uh i'm thinking lack of being social with others um, that is definitely something you have to consider if you're going to be a sole operator. I, I get a fair bit of contact with Mert, a fair bit of contact with John uh, through Facebook and Instagram and stuff when we, we chat about things. But realistically, vast majority of my days are in my workshop by myself. Yep. And you've got to be happy in your own company. <laughs> but kids, I've got a question to ask here. Do you dance to the radio at 3 p.m. in the afternoons? Oh, I don't really dance to anything. <laughs> Even on my own, I'm too scared to dance. I'm really bad. <laughs> I think I've been busted four times, boogieing from the grinder to the workbench. But 3 p.m. is a union break. Yeah, I know. They I'm should. They should. I'm on the way to the cup of tea. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do. Um, I listen to a lot of audio books. That's my thing. And uh, sometimes the language is not very appropriate in the audio books, depending on the one I'm listening to. And you know where my workshop is. One side of my it's workshop. Don't listen to erotic audio books, please. He's only sixteen. Well, they're normally they're normally books that have sort of some sort of violent battle content and swear words and. Uh, oh, but. Right. One side of my workshop, the roller door goes up to the little side, and I've got designated three between 
that's what all the school kids in the neighbourhoods are walking on that street. So I've got to be careful. Have some audio book running because their, their mothers are probably like, "Oh, there's that crazy guy in his workshop again." Yes, yeah, I understood most of that. It's breaking up a little bit here. I think our internet's uh, a little bit less. Oh, okay. than the, the um, and uh, so Glenn says, um, "How do you keep your motivation in place when it's not going on?" And Mert. Pretty much covered that's what you're doing these days mert doing these swords and things kev what do you do to keep your your mojo running uh other things i'll go fish or something like that get out yeah. of the workshop come get out of the workshop sometimes i'll take if i'm just not on on what i'm doing or, or things aren't going right i just don't go in the workshop i'll i'll find other things to do or if i go in the workshop i do that maintenance stuff I get in there and go, I'm not really feeling good about making knives. I'll, you know, clean stuff or, you know, just this week I just, this week I just set up those um, dust flaps on my extraction system, put on some they carbide. They are pretty awesome. Are they, uh, yeah. are they on Instagram? Uh, no, I haven't put them up yet. All right. So we've got to get some stuff uh, after the show because that yeah. that was pretty amazing I, I i've shown the guys well john had already seen it but i was showing the guys just before yeah. yeah so that was just an idea i had because my extraction system i use for timber dust only at the moment anyway and i just just wanted to keep that flap closed to prevent the steel going in but also the way i've got my trailing my dust extraction set up um after a few weeks of using it, I needed more of a table underneath the wheel to collect more of that timber dust. So then I just decided to put a hinged flap in. Um, yeah, just went down to Bunnings and bought the materials and came home and sat down, drilled a few holes. Andrew didn't think you made it yourself. He was saying how incompetent you were. He said, I hope you got those materials from Bunnings Picton. No. <laughs> <laughs> they, they weren't open when I drove up. And they were like, oh, <laughs> oh, I, I thought I'd better go home. <laughs> and how about you, John? What do you do when the mojo's not, not firing? Um, I tend to get out for a bit of a hunt or a fish, but quite often I'm like Mert. If there's, you know, if I need a bit of inspiration knife-wise, I'll make something. I've got a list of knives that I want to build or make. And sometimes I'll start it. And decide that it's junk and throw it in the drawer but yeah quite often it'll get finished and tucked away somewhere and quite often the stuff that you make for yourself to please yourself to please your own urges about knife making um sells for a lot more money than um some of your regular stuff which i find is quite interesting yeah yeah it's that, more custom that it's not kind of a kind it's worth more yeah yeah well and a you make it to please yourself. So some of those things you do are just that little bit better or, yeah. Andrew, do you sell stuff you make? Do you go through this process? Oh, I've got a giant loss. It's <laughs> 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 pure passion. It is a passion. Yeah, I do stuff for John and when we make some sand and stuff and when John sells it, I get my, my commission. But yeah, most of it. So I've been, I've been lately. I've been showing a few other. I've got a couple of other young fellows in Kadoo, my workshop, teaching them some forging. 
doing that. It's been quite good. I like sharing it and the knowledge and because I know how hard it is. It doesn't matter whether you think you go and make a pair of times on your own, you soon learn to figure out how long it's going to take you to make them. Yeah. But it's not yeah. easy. I do a bit of mentoring. I've got three guys I mentor at the moment, so it's not too bad. Just keep on top of them. Like Scotty here. <laughs> so David Heron says he just danced in front of his daughter and her response is, Daddy, don't, just don't. That's well, fair enough. I've got a question for the guys over there. Boogie swing, Ronnie. Um, Brandon Pascoe says, hey, I met you guys at field days in the Waikato. I was opposite you guys in the model, model barn tent. Brandon, good to see you on here, mate. Good to see you following. And um, <laughs> hopefully you'll uh, you'll put that knife kit to good use uh, if, if it's the guy I'm thinking of. Um, Mert, and, a question. Uh, yes, there we go. That's the comment section dealt with. What's next? Corin, I have a question for the fellas over there. Go so we always hear the negatives of being a knife maker in New Zealand, like in in terms of how difficult it is to get the stuff and things like that. So what's the what's the what's the pros of being making knives in New Zealand? Don't have to be Australians. Jeez, <laughs> oh, 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 boys! Well, don't bring That's your workshop point. over when you're at uni. <laughs> <laughs> just knocking them into shape, little shit. Um, some of the, the the materials and stuff in there are a better than ever. You know, back when I started, you, you'd have to find things to to find steel. You know, I used to import a two meter by one meter sheet of steel from Austria, so I'd have to order it six months in advance, make sure I had the money ready, and get it shipped across. So I had a an available supply of steel, but with the advent of the internet and with Gamaco um, getting so much more into the market, you know, there's a ready supply of of materials for making knives. So yeah, I don't think there's much difference between Australia and here. Just takes an extra two weeks sometimes. Yeah, and yeah. anything yeah. we can get to Australia, we can have in New Zealand two weeks later. Yeah, and the two weeks is nothing. You know, I used to wait six months for a steal. It, it's people nowadays that the, they seem to want it immediately. Right now, I need it this week. I forgot to order it. Just get your shit together. Yeah, look, yeah, that's if, if you treat generation. if you treat knife making, sorry, Kev, if you treat knife making like a business, which you should, you never want to be running like day to day. You never want to be like. Unless you work in the kitchen that you need a new fresh lettuce for the next day. It's not like that. You never want to be running out of stuff. You always want to be like, let me make sure I have enough belts for the month. Yes. So I probably and, have 400 belts hanging on my wall at the moment. Yeah. And shit doesn't yeah. go bad. Like it's, it's not like a fish. It doesn't go bad. And just like a business, you always want to be ahead. You don't want to be coming down. Oh, this is the last bit of steel. You always want yes. to have replacement, just in case some shit goes wrong. I'm constantly chasing timber. That's my yeah. biggest thing. You know, I try to be five years in front with my timber. I'm about 50. I'm smashing you. <laughs> Even more. I'm 372 years in front. <laughs> Still buying. <laughs> oh, I think I've nearly got as much as you, Kev. Oh, no. You haven't seen the, you haven't seen the workshop recently. 
Oh, all right. Woody, one Woody. of the guys, one of the guys that uh, I was buying from, reasonably local, decided that he didn't want to sell timber anymore. So, got in touch with me, and I went over and bought quite a bit before he shut his doors. What's that young fella laughing about? <laughs> uh, just something about you. Don't worry. The very first oh, time right. I went to his workshop was very interesting. We were up there having a poker <laughs> out. I had my my shirt tucked into my pants, and every time I went past a nice piece of timber, I'd just tuck it down my front. And I kept standing next to Kevin, giving him a bump. And he goes, finally, what are you up to, you fat prick? Slaps me in the belly and realises I had 60 pieces of handle material in my shirt. He's never trusted me since. No, I actually get him to wear a little camera now. No. A little body mount so I can see where he goes. It's a bit unnerving, though. There's lack of trust to the point where I've got to follow him into the toilet. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah, that's, that's his that's well, wallet. Using, using his prison wallet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> David Heron says, sorry. David Heron says, there's been some commentary about the next Gamaco bolt buy. Word is to mini press. Need to confirm or deny. Uh, we're working on two different uh, things at the moment, David. Three, we've got a lot in the wings. Stay tuned. Um, did that confirm or deny anything? Good. That was a really good, good runaround question, actually. Yeah, the stay tuned. There's some good stuff happening there. Um, uh, we're just um, working on a couple of different supplies at the moment. So Timmy's Timmy's in charge of that one, and I'll leave it with him. Um, I'm trying to understand Marty Jelnick's question about cuddling Glenn Beaton more. I don't get that. So there we Glenn go. Beaton, Glenn Beaton wrote, nothing wrong with a little boogie in the workshop. You've got to cuddle more. Oh, no. I don't know. No, it's all good. Happy days. So, um, guys, anything else before we uh, before we wrap this up and let Scotty get to bed? Huh? Let's got to get to bed. He's a young fella. He needs his sleep. You guys need your beauty sleep. David, we are working on a crisis. Hold the language in the comments. <laughs> we are working on a couple of press concepts and designs and manufacturers. So just, uh, it is in the wings. Uh, it'll be, uh, uh, it may be us, it may be Anyang Australia, but some Someone will have um, have something pretty soon, so stay tuned. Um, Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So unless there's anything else anyone wants to ask, we'll cut it off and um, we'll, we'll catch up uh, same bat time, same bat channel. We'll be back to normal time in a couple of weeks. Sounds like a good plan. Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks, guys, right. for joining us tonight. Appreciate your time. Good Cheers, to see Kim. a couple of you guys again. And um, everyone wish Brett a happy birthday for Monday. Yeah, oh, happy birthday, birthday for Monday. Happy birthday. Oh, uh, before we duck off, um, I think Stan Stanley's asking you guys who your inspiration is, who you follow, and um, also to just tell us the channels that they can find you on so that they can follow you on, on your channels. So if we just go around real quick. Um, probably kick off with John and go from there. 
Well, I'm Reapy Knives on Instagram or Reapy.Knives and uh, same sort of thing on Facebook, I think. And that's about as far as I go. Yeah. Uh, Andrew? Uh, I've done stuff with John and at the moment it's Duo Knives. I have got another name I'm working on, but I've posted nothing, so it's no point looking yet. But I will put something up. Shortly. They can start following in anticipation of your amazing posts. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know the name of it though, so I'm kind of putting no, him I'm on really the spot there. So okay, so okay, moving right along, Scott. Um, so you can find me at Brookdale Knives on Instagram, at Brookdale Knives on Facebook, and yeah, I have a website, brookdalenives.com as well. There you go. And Gamaco. Brett Miller for Gamaco. And no Instagram yet. Do we have a Gamaco Facebook page or anything? We don't really. No, you can follow them through just yeah. the general Gamaco. Search for bulk buys. That's all you need. Yep. Um, and um, we'll go from there. Have a good one. All the best. Righto. I'm going to go have get a good some water. See you guys later. Thank you for joining us. All the best.